You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. This is week number six in our series, talking about (laughs) understanding the times and seasons of the Lord. And, you know, as I've been saying, if you wanted to put a subtitle on this, really what I believe the Holy Spirit is after uh, is for us to walk in the, the perfect will of God, to walk in God's will for our lives, to walk in God's will for uh, you know, again, our church and everything that we have to do. And so we're going to uh, just keep plugging away at this and go a little bit further in it. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter three, and uh, I'm going to get there in just a few moments. Let me touch on some things that we have covered in the previous weeks. Uh, first, let's look at, or you don't have to turn there, but just listen to our foundation scripture found in Matthew chapter 16, verses 1 through 3. And this is uh, when Jesus was having a conversation with the Pharisees and Sadducees. And it says, Then the Pharisees and Sadducees came, testing him, asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. And he answered and said to them, When it is evening, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red, and in the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, Jesus said, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. And again, the Lord is wanting us to understand when God is doing certain things. He wants us to understand how God is doing certain things. And on occasion, you know, God will reveal to us why he's doing certain things in the earth. And so that's what the Lord uh, was really rebuking them for. Then we have been using Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17, and I'm going to read it from the Amplified Bible. Again, just listen. Look carefully then how you walk, live purposefully and worthily and accurately, not as the unwise and witless, but as wise, sensible, intelligent people, making the most of the time, buying up each opportunity because the days are evil. And therefore, do not be vague and thoughtless and foolish, but understanding and firmly grasping what the will of the Lord is. And then lastly, over in Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, we have record of the prayer that Paul prayed for the church at Colossae. And he said this, for this reason, we also, from the day we heard of it, have not ceased to pray and make special requests for you, asking that you may be filled with the full, deep, and clear knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God and an understanding and discernment of spiritual things that you may walk, live, and conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him and desiring to please him in all things, bearing fruit in every good work and steadily growing and increasing in and by the knowledge of God with fuller, deeper, and clearer insight, acquaintance, and recognition. So again, you know, Paul says that it is the will of God for the, you know, the the church at Colossae to be filled with the the full will of God. Well, if if it's God's plan for the church at Colossae to understand what God's will is, then it's the will of God for you and me to understand 
what the will of God is. And so that is the plan of God for us to be able to walk in those things. I said to you last week that, you know, there's many in the body of Christ that believe that uh, discerning the will of God is like uh, the old Easter egg hunts that we used to have as kids. And, you know, somehow God has hidden his will and the grass and under the leaves and stuff. And somehow we're supposed to go through life and navigate life and just kind of stumble on and find the will of God. And that's actually not what the Bible teaches. Um, I'm going to say this, and and you may or may not dis, uh, may or may not agree with this, but it is really, God has made it very, very simple for us to be able to discern what his will, plan, and purpose is for our lives. He is given us things that that we can look at, we can do, and uh, it, it is not hard. It's just a matter of do we want to do those things and walk in them. And so we said that the will of God for our lives, and let's just talk about for our personal lives for a moment, can be divided into two categories, and that is the general will of God uh, that God has not only for you, but for the entire body of Christ and uh, the general overarching will of God that is true for all humanity. And we covered some of the points that that are covered in the word to reveal those things to us. You know, we talked about how it is the will of God for all men to be saved. It's the will of God for everyone to be able to receive healing in their physical bodies. It's God's will for everyone to be able to walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit it is God's will for us to, you know, be uh, full of his wisdom and knowledge and so forth, as we've talked about. And so there are things that are established in the word of God that the word of God makes crystal clear. But there are things, and this is the second area, the specific will of God for our lives that uh, the word of God does not make crystal clear. But there are some guardrails, if you will, that we can look at the word you know, the Bible teaches that uh, we're to not be married to unbelievers. The Bible teaches that uh, we should work and provide for our families. The Bible teaches that uh, we should pursue the spiritual interest of our families and household above everything else, you know, including your job and so forth. You know, it's amazing to me how many people, and I'm talking about believers, how many believers will um, base what they believe is the will of God on a job offer. In other words, you know, they receive a job offer that might have a promotion and maybe a raise to it. And so they uproot their family. They take their family out of a church that they've been established in and that their family is growing in and so forth and, and can move to a completely different city. And, uh, you know, they have no idea where they're going. They have no idea what church to be a part of. And, and that isn't the will of God. Now, I'm not saying that it's not the will of God that he would move you and relocate you, but I will tell you this. God will not pull you out of a church relationship and send you someplace that that uh, you're disconnected, that you're not part of a church family. God wants you to be part of a church family. So my prayer or my belief is this, is that when it is the will of God for us to move and to relocate to a different area that he'll lead and guide us in every step of that process. He'll lead and guide us in 
uh, you know, the selling of our home, the purchasing or renting of another home, those types of things. He'll lead and guide you as to what church family you're supposed to be a part of. And, and uh, all the, everything will unfold as the Lord reveals it to you, but he doesn't take you out of someplace into a vacuum or a void is what I'm trying to get us to see. And so it's very important that we understand those things. So in the things that God has not given us direction for in his word, he has, thank God, given us the Holy Spirit to live and dwell on the inside of us. And so, um, you know, we're going to get into eventually in this study how to uh, be led by the Spirit of God, what that process looks like, how we can. And, you know, I'm a believer, even though I, I might miss it occasionally, but I am a believer based on what we've already seen, that God makes his will available to us and we can walk in it. Now, a lot of times, you know, it requires obedience. And I don't know about you, but sometimes my flesh doesn't want to obey. Uh, you know, it might require some growth, some changes and things like that. And of course, that's not always fun, but I believe that the will of God is available for us and we can live in God's perfect will, plan and purpose for our lives. Now, I want to show you some scriptures in this. Um, well, I tell you what, don't turn from Proverbs 3. Stay there and let me just read some verses to you. God is interested in the most intimate details of our lives. You know, again, there's a mindset that maybe God is interested in the big things about my life, uh, you know, uh, the big, big, big ticket items, but God really isn't interested in every little detail. And that goes contrary to what the word says in Luke chapter 12 and verse 7, Luke chapter 12 and verse 7, I'm going to read it to you from the Message Bible. This is Jesus speaking. It says this, and God pays even greater attention to you down to the last detail, even numbering the hairs on your head. So don't be intimidated by all this bully talk. You're worth more than a million canaries. Of course, that's the message. Uh, the King James says sparrows, birds, tiny birds. But the fact of the matter is, is that God is interested even to the last detail of every aspect of our lives. Psalm 121 and verse eight in the Passion Translation says this, you will be guarded by God himself. You will be safe when you leave home and safe when you return. He will protect you now, and he'll protect you forevermore. So God is interested in what we do in our daily lives. He's interested in, you know, when we leave the house to go to work or to run errands or whatever the case is, and he promises to protect us and to be with us all throughout those things. And then in Psalm 40 and verse 2 in the Amplified Bible, the psalmist wrote, and he said this, he drew me up out of a horrible pit, a pit of tumult and destruction, out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock, steadying my steps and establishing my goings. So this scripture is saying that, that the Lord brought us out. He rescued us, brought salvation into our lives, not so that we can fend for ourselves, 
but so that he can be involved in every step of our lives. He can be involved in every, uh, you know, going, coming, and all those things in our lives. Now, as I have said to you, you he has to be invited to do those things. He is not going to override your will. So if you don't want him to be involved in every detail of your life, then rest assured he won't. Okay. But if you do, then invite him, give him access to every detail of your life. I want you to understand this. You know, God is interested in every detail of our lives, not only because he loves us, but he's interested in the success of every area of your life. You know, God doesn't operate by the mindset of, well, you win some and you lose some. No, if my Bible teaches me that if I will do what God says, I can get the same results every single time, and those results will always be on the side of blessing and favor, overcoming, and being victorious in my life. And the same thing is true for each and every one of us. So God has promised us victory in every area of, of our lives. Now, I want you to write this statement down. You know, I often teach, and as we have already established, all of the things that are God's will for our life, salvation, healing, God's blessing, prosperity, those things, those are all God's will for our lives. But if you, here's what I want you to write down. If you want God's will for your life, you must do the will of God for your life. Let me say that again. If you want God's will, God's highest and best for your life, then you must do the will of God for your life. You know, I've heard it said the most dangerous place on the earth that you can be is outside of the will of God. The safest place that you can be is inside the will of God. You know, there's a, a, a term I learned in, a, in the few classes that I have taken in accounting called a safe harbor. And a safe harbor is where there is, you know, it's figurative, but, you know, there's a place where you can pull your boat or your ship in and it's protected from uh, the elements by, you know, the, the land masses that are around you and so forth and so on. And so in life, there are safe harbors that we can be in and the greatest safe harbor that you can be in where protection is. And again, God's blessing, his favor, his provision is going to be in the will of God. So if we want God's highest and best for our lives, then we're going to have to make a determined decision that I am going to pursue after and walk in the will of God for my life. All right. Now let's go to Proverbs chapter three. All of that was reviewed. So let's look at Proverbs three and a, probably a familiar portion of scripture to you, but Proverbs three verses five and six. Uh, Solomon wrote, and he said this, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, verse six, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Before you and I can expect God to direct our paths, we must first be willing to acknowledge him in every area of our lives. What does that mean? It means that we want 
what God wants in every area of our lives. We're willing to uh, acknowledge him. The New Living Translation of, of those two verses says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. I'm going to talk more about that in just a few moments, but that is such a powerful statement. Seek his will in all you do. That's what acknowledging him is, and he will show you which path to take. Again, as I've said, the Lord has to be invited to uh, for, and given permission for him to reveal his will to you. So as this verse says, seek his will in all you do, and he'll show you which path to take. So if I want to know which path to take, then I'm going to have to say, Lord, what, what is your will in this particular area? What is your will in this decision? And then if mm -hmm. I do that, I open my heart to that, then I can rest in the fact that he will reveal his plan, the path to me. In the, uh, the sixth verse in the Message Bible says this, listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go, He's the one who will keep you on track. And I like that. You know, really, we should always have our antenna up and radar on, if you will, so that as we're navigating through life, we're always attentive to and asking the question, okay, what is God's plan in this situation? What is God's will in this situation? And as I've said, Sometimes it's as simple as just going to the word and finding out what the will is, the will of God is in that situation. But other times we're going to have to seek and pursue after the will of God. Now, I'm going to give you a very important statement, and I, I would appreciate it if you would write it down and, and learn this, okay? The Lord does not lead you through your intellect. The Lord does not lead you through your intellect. And I said this early on in this series. That's why we spent some time talking about how God is a spirit and he relates to us spiritually. He communicates to us spiritually. He reveals things to us spiritually. And so he's not going to lead you through your mind. Now, thank goodness God gave us common sense. To, to deal with some things, okay? In other words, uh, you know, you don't have to pray about running across the street in the middle of rush hour traffic. God gave you common sense to know you, you might end up uh, flat on the road if that happens, okay? He gave us common sense. I'm trying, you know, I'm being funny, but I'm, uh, I'm really wanting us to get this. So there are some things that uh, you by your common sense can figure out, but there are going to be things in life that you're going to have to pursue and seek after the will of God, but it is not going to come through your mind. It's going to come into your spirit as the Holy Spirit reveals it to you. Accuracy in following God's plan will not come through your head because your head does not have enough information. Accuracy in following God's plan will not come through your head, through your intellect, through your mind, because your mind, your head does not have enough information. But 
Guess who dwells in your spirit? The Holy Spirit does. And Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians <laughs> chapter 2 that there is no one that knows anything deeper about God than the Holy Spirit does. And so if there is information that God has concerning your situation, and rest assured there is, then the Holy Spirit is aware of that information and he is living and dwelling on the inside of your born again spirit. So if I can, if I can say it to you this way, you and I, you know, before we had Google, I don't know how we survived without Google. Honestly, I don't remember, you know, anybody ever remember world book encyclopedias? Okay. You know, I remember world book and I used to love, you know, I'd get a world book down and look at it and read through it and stuff like that. And, uh, but now all of that is available to us. And I want to just challenge us in this. Think about it this way. You have somebody living on the inside of you that would make Google and the knowledge and information that they have look like nothing. He has every infinite detail about the entire universe in his heart and in his mind, and he lives on the inside of you. So there is no shortage of accuracy or specifics of information that the Holy Spirit does not have, okay? So he is there. Now, uh, go with me over to Isaiah 46, please. I want to show you a verse. And I've used an illustration before, but I want to repeat it for the sake of our study tonight. Isaiah 46, verses 9 and 10. Um, Isaiah said this by the Spirit of God in Isaiah 46, verses 9 and 10. He said this, Remember the former things of old. Now, I want to stop right here and just insert something, and that is this. Somebody might say, well, I thought we were supposed to forget the things of the past. Well, the, th the, the things that you have done, you're supposed to forget, okay? But really, the, the, the context of this, God is saying, remember the former things of old, which I have done. You're supposed to forget your sin, your mistakes, all of those things that are in your past, but you're supposed to remember the things that God has done for you in your past, okay? So he says, remember the former things of old, and then I add parenthetically, which God did, and he goes on to say, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, verse 10 declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are not yet done saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. So what is God saying? In verse 10, he says that he declares the end from the beginning. God declares the end result before he starts. That's the way he operates. A lot of times you and I, uh, we want to declare the, the beginning. We want to declare it at the beginning um, 
everything. All right. What God is saying is this, and this is the illustration that I've used before and it's, and it's good. And I'm the one teaching tonight. So I'm going to repeat it. All right. Um, if you've ever been to a parade, you know, they do the Thanksgiving parade here in Charlotte. I've had the privilege of going to that a few times. You know, if you're sitting in your seat or standing there along the road on Tryon Street, when the Thanksgiving parade goes by, you might be able to see the bands and floats that go by you and maybe, you know, 100, 200 feet on either side, depending on how many people there are beside you and so forth. And you can see basically what passes right in front of you. Now, the way that I heard this, and I don't even remember where I got this from, but the way God sees things is if you could imagine Tryon Street and that entire parade going down Tryon Street, and you were able to go up 10,000 feet, like where airplanes fly, and look down, you would be able to see not only the start of the parade, you could see the end of the parade. In other words, you would have a full view of the end of the parade from the beginning. And that's how God sees things. His vantage point is so much greater than ours, so much so that what he does in his operation and, and the way that he operates is this. He opens his mouth and speaks what he sees at the end, at the beginning. Okay, He doesn't talk about things that need to be changed in that moment. He declares what they will be at the and the way it will look at the end before he ever starts. Okay, so what am I saying to you is that God has that kind of vantage point over our lives. You know, the Bible says in Jeremiah that God knew us when when he formed us in the womb and he saw every aspect of our lives. Ephesians chapter one. The Bible says that we were blessed uh, with heavenly things before the foundation of the world. So God knew that you and I would be sitting right here at this moment on October the 11th, 2023, having a Bible study. He knew that before the world was ever created. That's how full of wisdom and knowledge and insight he is. Okay. So my point is this that he knows the end from the beginning. He knows every detail. He knows the specifics. And I don't know if you understand this or not, but he is a whole lot smarter than you and me and knows the best way to do everything. You know, God has never stopped and said, you know what? I've never thought about that before. Okay. He's never changed his mind. He has the best thought the best way the first time. All right. And I want us to remember that. So as we're pursuing the will of God for our lives, understand that when he reveals that to you, he reveals it to you from a place of infinite knowledge and wisdom. Okay. All right. So um, turn in your Bibles to James chapter four, please go over in the new Testament to the book of James James chapter four, 
I want to read a portion of scripture to you. I'm going to read it from the Amplified. I'm going to read verses 13 through 17, and you follow along uh, in whatever translation you're uh, looking at. But what do you think is the first thing? If, if I need to know what is God's direction for my life, what is the first thing that I need to do? Any, any idea? I, I need to, to the ask word of God. Him. I need to ask him. Okay. All right. Let's let's read the scripture and then that'll help you come up with the answer. James 4, 13 through 17. This is the amplified again. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a city and spend a year there and carry on our business and make money. Yet you do not know the least thing about what may happen tomorrow. What is the nature of your life? You are really but a wisp of vapor, a puff of smoke, a mist that is visible for a little while and then disappears into thin air. You ought instead to say, if the Lord is willing, we shall live and we shall do this or that thing. But as it is, you boast falsely in your presumption and your self-conceit. All such boasting is wrong, so any person who knows what is right to do but does not do it to him, it is sin. So what is what is James telling us? Again, you got to keep in mind, too, the context of this. James is the half-brother of the Lord Jesus. He is the pastor of the church at Jerusalem, and so he had some insight, some very intimate insight into walking in the will of God. And so what he's saying is, you know, people go through life and they just kind of navigate and do whatever it is that they want to, you know, tomorrow we're going to do this. And today we're going to do this. We're going to go here and conduct this business and so forth and so on. And what James is telling us is you presume to know what the will plan and purpose of God is for your life, but you need to understand something in the scope of eternity in the scope of an eternal God who is full of wisdom and infinite knowledge, our lives are like a, a wisp or a breath of air, like a vapor coming out of a boiling pot of water that's there for a moment, but then it just disappears. James says this, we ought also, or we ought to rather, to navigate our lives and live our lives pursuing after what is God's will for my life? Presuming to know what the will of God is without asking and inquiring of him is wrong. Okay. And you will miss it every single time. What James is saying is this. It's important that we do not make random plans and use up blocks of time of this tiny wisp of time called our lifetime, but instead ask God what his will is for our lives and tell, let him tell us what to do. You know, now here's the good thing about the grace and the mercy of God. You know, if you're getting up in years, um, you know, I, I, the older I get, uh, there are times, you know, and I think probably all of us have some regrets of maybe seasons in our lives that we did not necessarily walk in the fullness of the will of God in our lives. Well, here's the good news. 
you know, God doesn't want us to live fretful and, and anxious and worried about that. He wants us to rather let him redeem the time. That's why, you know, somebody that gives their heart to Christ at a very late time in their life, you, you know, shouldn't begrudge and live life full of regrets. No, make the most of the time that you do have left here in the earth. Now, so the very first thing that we're going to have to do if we want to know the will of God and pursue after God's will is not presume that we know what it is, but ask him and give him an opportunity to reveal that to us. Now, um, I want to go over to 1 Samuel in the Old Testament, please. And I want to look at David's life for a few moments tonight. 1 Samuel chapter 13 and verse 14. And this really challenged me. I heard uh, Brother Keith Moore teach on this and um, very, very powerful teaching. 1 Samuel chapter 13 and verse 14. And I'm gonna, when, when we read this verse, you're going to have heard this before, I promise. 1 Samuel 13 and verse 14, this is when Saul has been rejected. He disobeyed God, and Samuel is now faced with God moving on and wanting to choose someone else uh, to uh, be king over Israel. And so Samuel goes to Saul, and he says this, but now your kingdom shall not continue. Look at this next phrase. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. And I, you know, I'm sure you're like me. You've heard David referred to as he was a man after God's own heart. And I think you've probably heard that before. Well, we say that but we don't often talk about the reason that God was, or excuse me, David was a man after God's own heart. And by the way, you know, don't, don't forget, David was not a perfect man either. He had flaws and challenges just like the rest of us. But let's go in the New Testament for just a moment. If you want to leave your ribbon thing back there in uh, 1 Samuel, we'll come back there in just a moment. But go to Acts chapter 13, please. The book of Acts, chapter 13, and this is um, a quote of this particular verse, Acts chapter 13, Paul is preaching a message here, and he said this in Acts 13 and verse 22, and he's, he's rehearsing what we just read in 1 Samuel. And he said this, Acts chapter 13, verse 22, and when God had removed him, talking about Saul, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, here's the quote, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. And here's what qualified David to be a man after God's own heart, who will do all my will. One of the characteristics, and we're going to see this in David's life, is that even in spite of his flaws, you know, David endeavored to, to do everything to the best of his ability, but he had some mistakes and some shortcomings and sin. 
But the thing that David did is he always pursued after doing the will of God in his life. And this is what made him a man after God's own heart. Now, surely David was a worshiper. David was a musician. David was a lot of great things that deserve our honor and our admiration. But the thing that made him a man after God's own heart was his commitment to do the will of God for his life. And if you and I want to be known as a man or woman after the heart of God, then we have to make that same commitment and that same level of dedication. So to be a person after God's own heart means that you want to do all of the will of God for your life. Now there is something, go back to 1 Samuel and look at the 23rd chapter, 1 Samuel 23. Now, there is something that David did that he had a habit of doing. He had uh, trained himself. Now, uh, let me say this to you. What we're going to look at right now is not automatic, okay? You are going to have to discipline and train yourself to do what David did. So just establish that right now. We're going to find out what he did, but just, just understand this before we look at it. This does not happen by accident. It happens very intentionally. It happens because we commit to it. All right. So let's look at 1 Samuel, the 23rd chapter, and look at verse 1. It says, And then they told David, now this is uh, the, the army, the, the 300 men that David had that were traveling around with him as he was pursued by Saul and so forth. It says, then they told David saying, look, the Philistines are fighting against Kelea and they are robbing the threshing floors. By the way, the Philistines are a type and shadow of the devil in our lives. You're going to see, and if you study the Old Testament, you're going to see that if there was an adversary that the Israelis had, that came after them time after time after time after time, it was the Philistines. And there's varying reasons for that, but the thing that I want you to see is, uh, I heard Brother Hagin say this about the devil. He's a persistent cuss, all right? You're going to find out that the Philistines were just as persistent. Sorry, so then they told David, saying, look, the Philistines are fighting against Kayla, and they are robbing the threshing floors, then David, here's the thing I want you to see, and it would underline this and highlight this. Then David inquired of the Lord. David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, go and attack the Philistines and save Kayla. Okay, so let's look at this. David inquired of the Lord. David had a habit. It was a practice of inquiring of the Lord. Matter of fact, we're going to look at a few of them tonight, but there are eight references in the Old Testament of David inquiring of the Lord throughout different situations in his life. Okay, so again, the Philistines are harassing the children of Israel. And so David uh, 
inquired of the Lord and said, shall I go and attack these Philistines? Now, let me ask you a question. This is 1 Samuel 23. In 1 Samuel 16 and 17, do you remember uh, David winning a fight? You remember who he fought? Goliath. Goliath. Did he win? Yes. Okay. All right. So that being said, David had defeated the Philistines before. So he could have thought, I can handle this. These are people I've defeated before. I know their tactics. I know how they operate. So let's go up and let's do this. We'll, we'll handle this. But write this down, please. Pride assumes, but humility asks. Pride assumes, but humility asks. Okay, now, um, common sense would tell you, okay, something needs to be done with these Philistines. Somebody's got to do something because they have come in here. They, they've robbed from this town. They've robbed from the people. They've messed up their lives. And so common sense would tell you that the Philistines need to be dealt with and this village needs help. Uh, you know, and, and somebody needs to go and do it. So David, you ought to, since you've won before, you ought to go do it. Well, let me tell you where that comes from right here. That does not come from here. That comes from our reasoning that comes from us trying to fill in the blanks and, and answer God's question or the question we're trying to ask of God. Okay. So to think um, I will do this the same way that I did the last 40 times I dealt with the Philistines and there is no reason to ask God is exactly how David would have missed God. Now, how many times do you and I face situations in our lives where we face a persistent enemy like the Philistines? And so we go, well, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, and yes, the Bible does give us principles and things that we can do and so forth. However, there might be some information that you need that would be helpful in you gaining victory over that same thing this time that you didn't do last time or that you might need this time that you uh, you know weren't aware of last time. Okay. So what am I saying? What may seem obvious to you may not be the will of God at that moment. In other words, God has a strategy and a plan that you need at that moment to overcome the same enemy that you might have overcome 40 or 50 times before. Okay? All right, now, so what did David do? He inquired of the Lord. Now, what? As I always teach you, pay attention to the details. So David said this, he inquired of the Lord saying, shall I go and attack these Philistines? And what did the Lord say to him? Yes, go and attack the Philistines. So David got an answer for exactly what he asked. No more, no less. Okay, let's go on. But David's men, verse three, said to him, look, we're afraid here in Judah. How much more than if we go to Keilah 
against the armies of the Philistines. Then David inquired of the Lord once again, and the Lord answered him and said, Arise, go down to Keilah, for I will deliver the Philistines into your hand. Okay, so what's my point? My point is the Lord is going to answer your question and give you what you asked for. God is very specific. If you need more information, you need to ask for more information. But if you just ask him, Lord, do I need to get up and defeat this enemy? You know what God's going to say to you? Yeah, get up, go defeat him. But if you need to know how, you need to ask how. <laughs> okay? Does that make sense to you? Yes. All right. So the Hebrew means for inquired of the Lord. It literally means this, ask God for information. Now, the thing that you need to understand about the Lord is the Lord is not a blabbermouth. He doesn't ramble on. He says exactly what he says, and he means what he says. So if we need more details, we need to ask for more details. And actually, that is an act of humility, okay? You cannot act like you know it all and don't need the Lord's help and, and then just, you know, ask general stuff. If you need specifics, ask specifics, okay? So again, the Lord, David inquired of the Lord once again, and the Lord told him, okay? So what was he doing? He inquired of the Lord. The Lord told him, go ahead and go down. And his, his, his men came back and said, oh, we're a little apprehensive. We're a little nervous about that. So David wanted to make sure he had heard from God correctly. And so he asked again, and the Lord gave him the same answer, but with just a little bit more information. God will never be bothered with you if you need clarity and you go to him and ask him for clarity. Matter of fact, James chapter one says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and he abrades not. So what I'm saying to you is, if, if you get something in your heart and you're not quite sure that you've got clarity in that, go to the Lord and say, Lord, I need some clarity on this. Can you give me a little bit more information on this? Okay. Now, so you cannot be too clear about hearing from the Lord. You must be watchful about filling in the blanks because that's what our mind likes to do. Where we don't have specifics, your mind is going to try and fill in the blanks. Well, God didn't say this, so maybe I'm supposed to do this. Or, or, or God said this, but I wonder if he really meant this. Okay, and then we start trying to fill in the blanks. Okay, so look at verse 5. It says, David and his men went down and fought with the Philistines, struck them with a mighty blow, and took away their livestock. So David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. So notice the specifics that David asked and the facts that God told him that were priceless. Okay. So look at verse 10. It says this, um, David, Saul was coming at chasing David, chased him down to the village that he just rescued. 
In verse 10, and David said, O Lord God of Israel, your servant has certainly heard that Saul seeks to come to Keilah to destroy the city for my name's sake. Will the men of Keilah deliver me into his hand? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? What did God answer? O Lord God of Israel, I pray, tell your servant. And the Lord said, he will come down. Again, what did David ask? Is Saul going to come down here chasing after me? And the Lord responded specifically to what he asked. He said, yes, he's going to come down. Okay. Then David needed some clarity. He said this, will the men of Keilah turn on me and deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, yes, they will deliver you. So let me ask you a question. What if David had gotten half cocked on that first bit of information but didn't realize, okay, and hung around, but didn't realize that the people of Keilah were going to throw him under the bus. Did God know that that was going to happen? Absolutely. God knew that that was going to happen, but God didn't reveal it all to David until David inquired specifically of the Lord. All right. So my point is this, I'm really wanting to, to understand this, that you and I can ask specifics of the Lord. We can get very particular and very specific of him. All right. Now go over with me to the 30th chapter and verse eight. Again, same situation, another situation with um, David and the Philistines and so forth. And it said, so David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And God answered, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. So they were able to go down and defeat the enemy. Go over to 2 Samuel chapter 2. 2 Samuel chapter 2. Now the Philistines have come up and they've killed Saul and they've killed Jonathan. And so in, in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 1, it says it happened after this that David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I go up to any of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said to him, go up. Now, and again, notice the specifics. David then asked, where shall I go up? And God told him a specific place to go up. But what if David had just stopped at, at, shall I go up to the cities of Judah? And God said, go up. So David said, okay, boys, pack your stuff. Let's go. He didn't know where to go. He didn't know what to do. But once he asked for specifics, God gave him a specific place to go. Now, go over to chapter 5 and verse 17. And I want to quickly show you a very, very important lesson, okay? 2 Samuel chapter 5 and verse 17. So David, Saul is dead. David has now been anointed and chosen as king. And uh, so it says in verse 17 of 2 Samuel 5, now when the Philistines heard that they had anointed king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David. Again, those pesky Philistines. And David heard of it, went down to the stronghold. The Philistines also went and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, 
Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into your hand. So David went to Baal Perazim, and David defeated them there. And he said, the Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breakthrough of water. Therefore, he called the name of that place Baal Perazim, or the Lord of the breakthrough. Verse 21. And the, the Philistines left their images there, their idols, and excuse me, David and his men carried them away. Then the Philistines went up against, went up once again and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephaim. Here they are again, back at it. And so therefore, David inquired of the Lord. And so what did he inquire of the Lord? Well, he probably asked the same question he asked before. Uh, back in verse 19, Lord, shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hands? And so the Lord replied, and I'm sure said, go. Okay. But then the Lord, uh, in, David inquired of the Lord again, and he said, now notice what God's reply was. You shall not go up, circle around behind them and come upon them in front of the mulberry trees and it shall be when you hear the sound of the marching in the tops of the mulberry trees, then you shall advance quickly, for then the Lord will go out before you to strike the camp of the Philistines. And David did so, and as the Lord commanded him, he drove back the Philistines from Geba as far as Gezer. Now, what happened here? David had defeated soundly the Philistines using a strategy that the Lord gave him. The enemy returned again to attack David and to attack the people. And so he inquired of the Lord and God gave him a different strategy. Here's my point. David did not make the assumption that he was supposed to go after the enemy the same way he had done before. He inquired of the Lord and got the information that he needed because God had a way that he wanted David to do it. So it would be supernatural. The enemy would be defeated and God would get the glory, which all that happened. But what if David in his own thoughts and his own wisdom and strength and ability said, well, I whooped him before here, I'm going to go do it again. And what would have happened is he would have gone into battle without God's anointing and hand on his life, and he would have lost the battle. But because he inquired of the Lord and got a different strategy, okay, he was able to defeat the enemy and overcome them. So what am I saying to us? I want to hark back to, you don't have to turn there, but Proverbs 3. He said, uh, lean not to your own understanding. We must be mindful as believers, as we walk through this life, we might encounter things that seem like it's the same enemy, the same circumstances, the same adversary that we have faced before. But what we need to do is we need to make sure we go to the Lord, inquire of him like David did, and get the strategy that God has for that moment. God may tell you, do it like you did before, but there might be something else that he wants you to do to add a little different aspect 
to your strategy. Because let me, let me say this to you. There are going to be times when the enemy comes against your life, let's say, you know, just hypothetically, you know, he, he brings some type of sickness and disease in your life. So you go to the word of God, you stand in faith on the word of God, you speak the word of God and healing comes into your life. Okay. So praise God, you won the victory. So then later on, after time passes, here comes the Philistines back again and sickness and disease tries to come back into your life. Well, using your own natural reasoning means you would go back and hearken to the exact same strategy that you did before. But instead, which there's nothing wrong with that in principle, but why don't we inquire of the Lord and find out is there maybe, I mean, just, you know, maybe because I've done this, I don't, I'm not going to say you have, but maybe there's something I did that opened the door to that. And I need to make some adjustments and it's going to require a different strategy. So I might need to make that adjustment and then go at it with the word of God. And then the victory will be mine. Okay. So what I'm wanting us to do is that as we're pursuing and following after and desiring to walk in the will of God, the perfect will of God for our lives, we must develop a habit of inquiring of the Lord so that we can get all of the information that he has for us and that he wants us to know so that we can have victory every single time. Amen. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.